being able to feed yourself without the observation of someone around you just really changes things. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soulsmith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. Today, we are revisiting a newsletter essay, one that I actually published just last month. It's called Do I Wear Spanx to Family Court? I'm going to read the piece, and then my good friend Liz Lenz is coming on to discuss divorce and diet culture with us. If you don't know Liz, she writes the excellent Substack newsletter, Men Yell at Me. She's also the author of Godland, a story of faith, loss, and renewal in middle America, and Belabored, a vindication of the rights of pregnant women. And she has a third book coming out in 2024 called This American Ex-Wife. Liz is a really amazing political journalist, memoirist all-around phenomenally talented writer, and kind of my, like, local divorce expert. So I'm really excited to have her on the episode. This episode is our December paywall episode. That means to hear the whole conversation or read the whole transcript, you will need to go paid. That's just $5 a month or $50 for the year. You will get the first week free, and you will get my full conversation with Liz, including our better recommendations, which are both excellent entertainment ideas for your kids if you are looking down the long specter of winter break and wondering how you're going to fill some time. Plus, you're just going to get all of Liz's brilliance. We talk about the revenge body. We talk about family court. We talk about co-parenting. There's so much good stuff here. One last thing before we get started. We are working on a very special New Year Same You episode for January. By we, I mean me and Corinne and Tommy. And we want to know, what is your anti-diet fat positive resolution? Obviously, January is the super toxic time. It is the diet industry's Super Bowl. The pressure is loud. We want to know what you resolve to do in 2023 to divest from diet culture and help dismantle anti-fat bias. So this could be like super simple. Like you are not going to re-download Noom, or it could be some bigger goal for changes you want to make in your family, advocacy you want to do in your community, whatever it is, we want you to send us a note or even better, record a short voice memo on your phone and email that to virginiasoulsmith at substack.com. All the details for that are also in the episode description. So please send us your anti-diet fat positive resolutions. Okay, here's the essay. It ran on November 1st. Do I wear Spanx to family court on co-parenting in diet culture? Looking back, Heather, a mom of two in Northern California, says she kind of knew her marriage was over when her then-husband Paul insisted they drive as a family to his CrossFit competition two hours away when their younger son Leo was just eight weeks old. Paul's CrossFit obsession had begun four years earlier after they had their first baby, and it was already a stress point in their marriage. Neither of us had ever been gym rats, said Heather, who asked to change all of their names. Before kids, we loved food. We were part of this cooking club together, and most of our social life revolved around building these huge, multi-course meals with friends. But when Paul joined CrossFit, all of that ended. Overnight, it was, we can't have any carbs in the house, and everything revolved around his gym schedule. Heather was frustrated, but she wanted to support her husband. I would say, babe, it's great you found this hobby, but it's not my jam, she says. I don't have any problem with carbs. Her frustration leveled up when Paul decided that they couldn't, quote, poison their then-toddler Sam by feeding him carbs either. I was like, there is no science that this is good for a two-year-old, Heather says. So we had stress in our relationship. 
Then Leo was born, and Paul told Heather he couldn't take any paternity leave from his job as a medical device salesman, but he did want them to go cheer him on at his CrossFit competition, which he spent hours training for every weekend, and during his workday. Paul's assistant told me he was taking two-hour lunch breaks every day to go practice his routine for the competition, Heather says, but he told me he couldn't take any time off for the baby. When they got to the competition, she saw how completely Paul was wrapped up in this new world, using the lingo, talking about diet hacks, obsessing about his performance. She sat in their hotel room one afternoon trying to make Sam and Leo nap and had this huge epiphany of, oh my God, he's gone. Heather didn't leave, though. They went to couples therapy, and when Paul said he wanted Heather to go to CrossFit with him to bond, but also to get her body back, she tried. They even went to CrossFit prom. It was so weird, she says. I just wanted someone to teach me to do a sit-up so I could someday not pee my pants. I don't want to do workouts with people watching and cheering for me. And when Leo was 18 months old, Paul told her he wanted a divorce. I always tell people now, my husband had a midlife crisis, found a cult, and left the marriage, Heather says. Six years later, he's still in it. And Heather is still trying to figure out how to co-parent their kids, now aged 12 and 8, with an ex-husband locked firmly in diet culture. One of the first pieces I wrote for Burnt Toast when I was starting to build out the newsletter was an essay called The Thing Your Husband Really Needs to Read. I wrote it in response to a reader with a diety husband, but I could have written it for Heather when she was still married, for any number of other women who have written to me since about how to bridge the divide around food and bodies in their relationships. To be overly gendered about it, you've got all these women running around healing themselves and their relationship with food, says Hilary Knievy, co-founder of the Center for Body Trusts. And no one else in their family has to come along? To Hillary's point, I also hear from queer and trans married and partnered folks about this issue, so it is absolutely not just the cis men who aren't okay. But because our culture socializes women to do most of the labor around food and health, and most of the emotional labor in a family period, and because this same culture socializes cis men to both avoid that labor and avoid their emotions and equate self-worth with physical prowess, a lot of these guys aren't okay. And it is both tough to be married to them and tough to be divorced from them if you're still co-parenting. So then there's that whole aspect that I loved when you were writing about that of then divesting yourself of the body ideas that come from the relationship. I think there's so many ways where that happens, where, you know, you might have married a person looking a very specific way. But as we all know, like time and life and children takes a toll. And then the other person is like, well, you don't look how you used to. And you're like, well, I never will. That's life. That's time passing. And marriage is so physical. I mean, it is this just like, it's a bodily connection, right? And so having divorce enables you, I think, in so many ways, especially if you're in a bad, a bad marriage. I mean, this is obviously people can have good marriages. Mm -hmm. My bias is though, like that I think marriage is inherently unequal and bad. And like you can have, you know, good relationships within a bad system, but it's still a bad system. So I'm going to get that out there. But so when then you do divorce, like part of that, like rebuilding of identity and rebuilding of sense of self comes with, you know, like, well, who am I now? Like, what is my body now? And now I don't have to manage that other person's, you know, toxic 
body diet stuff. I don't have mm-hmm. to manage the expectations of another person on my body and on my sense of self. And I don't have to have somebody judging what I'm yeah. eating, you yeah. know. And then you can also, like, make your own food. That was something that blew my mind I didn't expect was just like, I am not cooking for this other person who wants boneless, skinless chicken breasts every single fucking night. Oh, God. I, oh. Oh, God. The saddest of proteins, truly. <laughs> right. Truly the saddest protein. And he would have lived on boneless, skinless chicken breasts and microwaved frozen vegetables. Wow. And, you know, and I'm like, let's roast a chicken from Ina Garden. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. you know, like, let's make vegan stew, you know, and none of that would fly. So, yeah, being able to feed yourself without the observation of someone around you just really changes things. And since we have 50-50 custody and it's always different with children around, but like I get to sit and be like, no, what is it that I actually want to eat? And when do I want to eat? And how do I want to eat? Like it just, it makes me so much more thoughtful and grateful about like what I'm consuming in my One body. One woman I interviewed described it as a food rumspringa. Yes. Like, because she was free from his expectation. For her, it was like embracing stuff like Annie's, like mac and cheese. Like I don't have to cook. I can just like enjoy eating a box of mac and cheese for dinner and like watching Gilmore Girls and being so happy and at peace. What was your favorite thing you ate when you realized like this liberation, this piece of it? I got for a while just like really into cooking complicated recipes from mm-hmm. the New York Times. That kind of stopped. I like I, I did the opposite of everybody like in 2020 in the shutdown year. Everybody got like into cooking and I was like done. Um, <laughs> I have been <laughs> like, there. <laughs> yeah. Peace out. I will now be ordering food exclusively. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. So one, it was eating out. Because Mm. my ex does not like to go out to eat and is very stressful around like if you go out to eat and then what you order, Mm -hmm. you know, should you get a glass of wine or God forbid order dessert, you know, that's like so extra and why are you doing that? And so it's just like going out to eat by myself and ordering whatever I wanted and dessert was like, game changer. I love it. Yeah. And then I'd make complicated recipes, you know, just like just for myself because I'm like, oh, he didn't like curry. So now I will make Now you can have all the curry. Revenge curry seems like way better than revenge body. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. Okay, Freelist, this is where we leave you. If you want to get the rest of my conversation with Liz, including our better recommendations and all of her thoughts on the revenge body trend, Oh, and Divorce TikTok? You can keep listening by clicking the link in your episode description to become a paid Burnt Toast subscriber. Whatever you do, thank you for supporting independent anti-diet journalism.